Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Florida is moving to the right, and so are its politicians. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. So, as many of you know, I think the last couple years have really revealed uh, to parents uh, that uh, they are being ignored increasingly across our country when it comes to their kids' education. On Monday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed the Parental Rights and Education Bill into law, dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill by Activists. Gary Finout, uh, author of Florida Playbook and a reporter based in Florida. He's been following the bill from the beginning, an early lawsuit that gave it momentum over the past couple of years. Well, that's the interesting thing about this, uh, this is that this was not a bill that was initially pushed by Governor DeSantis. He this was something that sort of um, was developed in the Florida House, and they were the ones who sort of pushed the idea. But he wound up being sort of one of the more vocal champions of the measure. The gender bread man. So this is trying to sow doubt about kids, about their gender identity. It's trying to say that, you know, they could be uh, whatever they want to be. Uh, This is inappropriate for kindergartners and first graders and second graders. Parents do not want this going on um, in their schools. Especially after the whole uh, blow up with Disney. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Here I stand. I'm not backing down. But the point is with the governor, the governor, very loud, very vocal about his support for this. He held a press conference on Monday where he articulated why the legislation was needed in his opinion. And so he's become sort of the the focal point. And this just, you know, this adds to his sort of resume uh, as he moves towards a reelection campaign this year, which right now he's expected to to win and then the question becomes as to whether or not this is all part and parcel of a 2024 presidential campaign today reporter gary Finout on how a lawsuit over a teenager spurred florida republicans to pass this law and what comes next those in favor of the bill say two things one they say It's that this is about respecting the rights of parents to be the ultimate decision makers for their children and and that it is not government's role to be the one who is sort of going to make those decisions for them. And then the the second part of their argument is, is that certain topics should be age appropriate and that especially in the lower grades, uh, K through three, that you shouldn't have conversations about gender identity or sexual orientation at all. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a back and forth in the legislature about what that meant, and there was attempts to change the bill to say you couldn't have any discussions about sexuality at all. But Republicans rejected that language and instead stuck with the language about sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, Mm -hmm. as for the opponents, there are a multitude of arguments, including that this could lead to bullying, this could lead to harassment, that this basically is going to create confusion, that teachers are going to be fearful. They also are worried about whether or not parents opposed to uh, their child being uh, LGBTQ will suddenly be told about this. Um, Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's also sort of of how, how is this actually going to work? Uh, the Department of Education is supposed to come up with rules that are going to define what's age appropriate. 
There's a lot of mm-hmm. people who the opponents, a lot of opponents who are just saying, look, the, the language is vague. It's not defined. So who knows where this is all going to wind up? And then I think the final point is, is that there are those who see this as a just a sort of backlash against LGBTQ and trans youth in general. You have this really fascinating story out about the genesis of this law that even though nationally DeSantis has become kind of the face of it, I think, it really started with a lawsuit that caught fire and some LGBTQ support guides that some school districts put out. So could you tell me that story? Well, the origin of the legislation sort of goes back before the last couple of months of the legislative session when this proposal sort of bubbled up and got a lot of attention nationally. It really goes back to last year in which a couple of things had happened. One, there were legislators who had been dealing with what they call the parental rights bill that was a different law that was being passed by the legislature. They got wind of these support guides. They're called support guides. And they were sort of outlining the policies that districts were supposed to follow if a child, a student, basically came and talked to a teacher or somebody in the school about their sexual orientation and how they felt about it. And so while the legislature was sort of looking into these support guides, they became aware of a lawsuit. And that lawsuit was filed last year. But the origin of the lawsuit goes back all the way two years before that. January Little John, January is her name, um, is also involved with a federal lawsuit involving the transgender issue. And I'm just going to invite her to share for 10 minutes what her story is. And I think that you'll find it uh, quite helpful and interesting. So, January, thank you for being with us today. Well, January Little John was uh, very present during the, the course of the legislative session. I'm here to tell you how gender ideology almost destroyed my family. And she testified and she talked about her situation. Now, I do want to emphasize that her lawsuit is still in court Mm -hmm. and Leon County School District sort of disputes some of the central facts of the lawsuit. They they contended that they, they did try to work with the family and that they were not purposely trying to hide things. But again, this is... This is in active litigation, so this has not been resolved yet. But January Littlejohn was present at these committee meetings, and she was there at the bill signing ceremony that was held earlier this week. And what did this lawsuit allege? It basically involves a conflict that a mother had here in a school district that serves the greater Tallahassee area uh, here where the state capital is. Basically, there was a, a bit of back and forth as to what the teenager wanted, how they wanted to be identified, Mm. and how the district responded, and how the parents felt that the district was not giving them enough information and informing them as to the decisions the district had made in concert with the teenager. Mm -hmm. The conflict between the school district and the family resulted in a lawsuit. And so the legislature was already sort of looking at these support guides uh, and to some of the policies. And so that lawsuit was one of the talking points that the legislature used is to say, this is why this bill needs to be passed. Now, mm-hmm. understand that the new law covers this issue and wh- what the districts have to do to inform parents and when they have to have conversations with them. But basically, it's another portion of the law, the the ban on classroom instruction related to gender identity or sexual orientation, especially in the lower grades, that has gotten a lot of the attention. But 
what we've discovered is that it's this conflict between districts and, and parents as to what the parents are allowed to know that sort of served as the genesis. The law doesn't go into effect until the summer, right? And so people are expecting it to be challenged in the courts. Uh, yeah. One of the leading uh, LGBTQ organizations in the state of Florida has already promised that they will be quick to sue once the law takes effect. Mm-hmm. I think we would anticipate it will quickly wind up in a court. Equality Florida, the name of the LGBT group, is made it clear they plan to sue. We'll see if other organizations like the ACLU. And again, I, you know, some of it stems back to just is the law overly broad? Is it unconstitutionally vague? I, th- I think those are going to be some of the things that will probably be dealt with in litigation. What do you think the people who haven't been covering this in Florida may not understand about this? Well, what they should understand is that all the evidence continues to point to the fact that Florida is moving from a battleground state to a red state. And mm-hmm. that while Governor Ron DeSantis has sort of a, has a reputation for kind of doing things from the gut, that he kind of does things by instinct, mm-hmm. uh, he's also very calculating. He's very smart in terms of how he approaches things. He doesn't say things or do things that he isn't prepared to understand how the reaction is going to be. I mean, I think what we've seen is is that he's done a very uh, effective job at getting liberals and Democrats upset. And he has very much parlayed that into turning himself into a national name. But it comes because right now the Democrats in Florida are in disarray. Hmm. They continue to be in disarray. There's a lot of questions as to how effective they're going to be in the fall of 2022. Donald Trump won this state, by Florida standards, a safe margin. I know in other states, a 3% win would not be considered a, a really huge margin. But in Florida, that's almost a landslide. And so what you see is is that you've got all these people moving in from other parts of the nation. And a lot of them are – they're conservatives. They're Republicans. They're moving in from other parts of the country. And uh, in the last year, Republicans overtook Democrats in the numbers of active voters registered in the state. So you can kind of see that the state is – it's moving to the right. And I, that gives DeSantis and Republicans, that gives them more room to operate. It's clear that they are taking advantage of that change among the electorate to do the different things that they're doing. And the most recently concluded session had a lot of bills that were in what's the terminology. I know kind of some people – don't like it. I, the term culture wars gets thrown about. And I know that there are people who have issues yeah. with that term. But mm-hmm. if you look at bills dealing with critical race theory, bills dealing with LGBTQ issues, bills dealing with abortion, you see all these things, they all came up through this session. And this is an election year. And normally during elections years in Florida, the inclination to do this kind of stuff would be less because you were like, well, mm-hmm. it's close to an election. Don't do anything that's provocative or controversial. That's not the case anymore. And I think it's because the perception that the electorate is changing and therefore the reaction from the elected officials is different. Gary Finout, thank you so much for talking with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Also in the news, on Tuesday, the CDC recommended that all adults over 50 years old and immunocompromised children 12 and older receive an additional mRNA booster shot. And the confirmation of Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti to be U.S. Ambassador to India is increasingly in doubt. 
Republicans have put holes on Garcetti's nomination, and in recent days, multiple Democratic senators have privately raised concerns over his professed lack of knowledge about sexual assault and harassment allegations against a top advisor. Without full party unity, Garcetti's nomination would not pass. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>